Yo, good people out there in podcast land. I'm Vincent. And I'm Tim. You better slow the fuck down. I know you're going to We're the motherfucking I am a motherfucker. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. We are podcast dedicated into video games and smaller video games developed by larger AAA developers. And today we're talking about everything. Everything and nothing. Everything and nada. Yeah. We got much to talk about. And we got stuff to talk about. Yeah. We got to we gotta discuss late. <laughs> yeah. This is a weird dichotomy of subjects going on in this episode. Yeah. So for a, it's a quick quick what, what, no, notification or... or, or can't even say recap because that's at the end. How do you, what the fuck's the opposite of a recap? A four cap? A foreskin? I don't know what that is. I wouldn't called. know. <laughs> a preface. I'm circumcised. I wouldn't know. All right. So for the preface, uh, yeah, yeah, we're going to yeah, just go over some uh, this is the E3 stuff. Yeah, we're going to go over some E3 this stuff. This is the prologue to the epilogue. Yeah, we're, we're going to be discussing uh, E3 um, like three weeks, three, two, three weeks, three weeks too late. Three weeks? Three weeks, three late. Um, we have our uh, fair share of thoughts regarding the goings-ons of E3. We're going to be discussing some recent releases. Uh, mediocre number nine. Uh, <laughs> yeah. The disappointing, you know, that <laughs> release that that turned out to be. Uh, and we may or may not be having an interview. No, we will. We may or may not. We will be. <laughs> we're gonna be. Yeah, we're gonna be having on uh, uh, a guest for this episode. Um, uh, it's an indie game dev. We're you know we'll, we'll get to that a little later in the show once we've kind of covered the the stuff. Uh, but yeah, so let, let's let's go right into it, man. We're fucking behind. We we've been slacking. We're Tesla grad episode was supposed to be out I think last week and. I'm just I'm on the last boss, so I, I just have to beat him, and then we can record the episode, and then we're done. So we can actually do that, probably, hopefully this week too. Like just record that episode because I know you already have it beaten. So we'll we'll get to that, and then hopefully release yeah, yeah. that. So you, you you know we won't go that long without another episode again after after this one, because you know this one will be coming out you know either tomorrow or or, or the following day, and then the Tesla grad episode will hopefully be up early next week, and then we'll go into uh, I think we'll probably do inside next, right? Since you're fucking ass already had to play Deep inside ahead inside. of time yeah so we're gonna go into inside uh after that but i i want to adjust it inside <laughs> thank you for that and um, i'm expecting you to input to get to insert uh incubus is deep inside into that part right there okay i'm not aware of that because i'm not an incubus fan but whatever you whatever need, you don't need to be it's whatever you say all right um all right, so yeah, so what E three stuff, man? Like it's gonna be at this point, it's gonna be hard to remember everything that was there. But we're not really here to talk about everything either. Just like kind of the standout things, of the things that we had any kind of commentary on. Um, so what's what's first on your list? If you even have a list, or just off the top of your head, anything? That- I mean, first on my list is gonna differ from everyone else's list. First on my list is We Happy Few. I think that looks really interesting. Um, I think the gameplay looks rough. Uh, I, I can't wait to see an actual finalized version of that game. I think uh, all the, the narrative stuff that they showed is really compelling. Um, the game world is that kind of like 1960s dystopian sci-fi uh, universe where uh, the, the, the individual is oppressed and they have everyone kind of like... this. Is, there, there are similarities between this and, and like every other dystopian sci-fi game where like you're just... The, the, the individual is the the uh, the minute the oppressed the like 
the proverbial I, like the disenfranchised, oppressed individual in a society that seems to be based entirely like on joy and happiness and your character has been off its meds somehow for whatever why reason. Why the fuck are you why are you telling me this shit? Don't tell me anything. Damn it. You talking about inside? No, this isn't inside. This is um uh we happy few. It's oh, it's okay, yeah, shit, it's man. in their gameplay reveal. Were, it's cause sounded like you were talking about inside. No, I would never reveal anything little... regarding inside. Not without having us played it. Not like you're gonna fucking understand anything that goes on in that game, having finished it twice. I can tell you right now, yeah, it's really dense. Because just like Limbo, it does absolutely nothing in terms of trying to tell you a story through conventional means. It's, it's, it's just, yeah, I love it for that very reason. Yeah, the, I, I will say, like, I feel a lot, some of it's kind of shock value-like, uh, but there are some really, really cool elements to it that I think are very effective. And I won't say anything more than that. We'll discuss it next week. Uh, so, yeah, We Happy a few, actually. That's, actually. I forgot, I know it was on your list when we did our, you know, whatever t- most anticipated games episode yeah if we're discussing indie games that like have made a a splash for me in terms of the reveals that were at the yeah. e3 but i didn't hear anything about it like in all the e3 coverage and stuff like, like the main at least the main stuff that, that you see or you hear you know whatever twitter stuff and 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 the other podcasts i listen to and you know it's it's all the big announcements obviously which you expect i mean it's not like oh that's stupid or anything but they really there isn't any kind of attention paid or very little, it seems, to, to this, again, to the in, indie stuff. You know, there's only a few things. Well, can you be surprised? No, I mean, that's exactly what it is. I mean, God of War, baby. Of it, yeah. So, yeah, I don't even... Standing up next to literal gods and giants, man. God of War. It looked incredible. As a person who doesn't give a shit about the God of War yeah. series, I saw that and I was like, wow, it looks really good. Yeah, ditto. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't care about God of War. I mean, when it first first came out, the first one, I remember the demo was in another game and I played it. Like, when you fight the, the Hydra or something, I, I really wish I remember what where that came in that, that that demo came with another game but i played that and i was like oh this is cool because it was new and interesting at that time and then but i for whatever reason when it came out it's just one of those games that i kind of forgot about and never ended up getting and then you know it kept pumping out the sequels and i was like oh well now i'm, I'm kind of too far i mean you played now, you played like the likes of devil may cry and ninja gaiden and you pretty much experienced what that has to offer well, was there, it had that kind of real-time Right, the trigger stuff uh, that, that was one of the first games to really incorporate that or use that cool because the stuff that he did, like I remember the animations, like even in the demo fighting the Hydra, like you, know, you mean the quick time events, the time button presses, and then the the stuff that he would actually do. Yeah, the quick time events. It was actually really cool, you know, like seeing the stuff like you know, it's it made it interesting. But I know that was only for like boss fights. You would see that really any of the regular fights would yeah would pretty much just be hack and slash, and it gets boring really quick. Which is, again probably why it wasn't really like something that. I was like super pumped about you know when it when it first came out to, to get like the demo caught my interest but obviously not enough for me to get it yeah, when it came so so yeah I never got on that series so yeah but this one did look good I, I thought it was surprising and I was a little confused with the whole like oh Kratos and I was like, okay so it's using the same name or is this literally the same character from the past three guys no as far as I know it's just Kratos it's Kratos from the previous uh, the previous games that's weird to me somehow relocated yeah. from ancient Greece that doesn't make sense I mean he's he he I. I Yes, he's a god, in the sense that he's immortal, uh, and he's just kind of relocated and is looking to kind of like uh, reconcile himself in life, and has become one hard ass father. Yeah, I, I kind of again not having played the series, I don't my input might not be really worth anything here, but I, I I wish they didn't do that. Like the whole point was to keep the same moniker, the God of War, but you know it, it, I think it would have been more interesting if they because they were good, cause they're doing other mythology now and they're not going to go over you know the Greek stuff. They're going to do Norse mythology in this one. It's like why wouldn't you have a new protagonist and just kind of have a, a fresh start? Like why would you? Yeah. 
it's weird to have a character who's I mean like Kratos is not a uh, mythological figure in any way but it's a it's a character who's supposed to have kind of rubbed elbows with those with the likes of like you know Zeus and whatnot it's weird to have a character who's residing in that uh, in, the, in, the, in that fiction transplanted into something entirely different yeah it's just a little weird but again like there's something narcissistic about it it's, it's like, I, I, like again it's not a real character so I can't and again, like having never really played it, I yeah. Same thing you said. Like your input may not mean, mean much of anything. Same thing with mine, may mean nothing whatsoever. It's just weird to have this character taken out of this one particular, you know, mythological space and then inserted into something that's nothing. There are no similarities between those two for the most part. It's weird. It's like a hybrid of a Tomb Raider and like The Last of Us and in in God of War. Yeah, well, that's, I mean, you can see, well, I mean, obviously the popularity of those games, it's going to see, probably going to see more stuff like that, I guess. I mean, why not emulate that? I mean, I just hope it doesn't come to the point where it becomes unsaturated and then you're just sick of that style because everybody's jumping on that wagon. Right. The same way they did with, uh, you know, hack and slash, third third person action game. The same way uh, Resident Evil 4 kind of led way to the over the shoulder third person shooter. And now with uh, a lot of horror games, um, in in the wake of something like PT, uh, we end up getting something called uh, Resident Evil Seven, which looks nothing like any other Resident Evil games, or plays nothing like any other any other Resident Evil games. Yeah, I've only seen images. Uh, I haven't even seen like actual footage. I tried finding it, but every time I search videos, it would. I don't know why you look online. Literally, just download the demo. Yeah, well, again, I haven't even been playing the shit. We need to play. It's a ten. 15, it's a ten minute, fifteen minute no, demo. I'm sure, I know like, it's good. I should, I, I should do it. Is it, so is it free to download still? Yeah, it's free. It's just a demo. Yeah. You're not going to pay money for a demo. No, that's fine. Uh, I'll do that. I mean, that's actually cool that there is a demo. You don't even hear about that anymore. They like never do demos for anything. It's a good look. It's good looking. Uh, it's it's very much in the vein of PT, which is uh, the pers- the playable trailer that uh, Konami released for what is PT. It stands for playable trailer or uh, playable teaser. Actually, I should say, it was released by Konami about two years ago. Uh, as a kind of like precursor to the new Silent Hill game, which was at the time going to be called Silent Hills, which kind of led Credence to the idea that it was going to be a game that took place in multiple universes. Um, and it, it failed uh, because of the whole uh, Kojima fallout. Oh, that was the Kojima and, and um, yeah. Del Toro thing that they wanted yeah, to do. Yeah, and Norman Reedus. And Norman Reedus, yeah. Yeah. How about that which, trailer? <laughs> Eh, whatever. It was very weird, very Kojima. I mean, it looked nice, but again, I don't. Same yeah, time, I don't like, love Kojima. No, I mean, it, it. I mean, he's fine for what he is, uh, and and I guess the stuff he does. I guess I appreciated it more previously. You know, the, the Metal Gear Solid games. Now I'm kind of not really. I never played the last one. I haven't bought it still, and I don't know at this point if I'm even going to. And I know you, you liked it at first, but then you kind of just fell off, or you, yeah, you have no intention of beating it now. Yeah, it's it's. It's it's not a bad game by any means. It's actually a very good game, but from the perspective of someone who's kind of had his fill of open world games, where like that that get world is so bereft of anything that's interesting. Like it's it's such a void. You go long like swaths of distance where you don't really encounter much of anything except like little enemy outposts that you repeatedly clear every time you get to them. Like you you get to the same outpost, you clear it the yeah, same way every like time. Rinse, rinse, repeat. Yeah, that was the thing you said about it. Um, what was the name of this new one? It's like one of those weird like non words again. New one. The the Norman Reedus. Death Stranding. Yeah, Death Stranding. Yeah, I was like, okay, what? It's weird. Um. But yeah, I mean, it was a weird, definitely weird trailer. 
I guess the only thing that's weird about it is, is I guess, how early that they're releasing it because the game is not even. I, mean, I heard. Well, not releasing it, but they would announce it, and they announce it when they don't. They don't even have a game. No, engine. yeah, that's what I mean. <laughs> they, they were they used it in one engine that they were considering, and then they're doing something else in this other engine, and then they'll decide which of the two they want. It's like, I think he could have just come out and like said, you know, just like the big like reveal, like, hey, I'm with Sony now, kind of thing. And that's all I would have needed. Just his presence would have been good, and then just kind of talking about what he was gonna do, and you know, that would be fine. I mean, the trailer was okay, but it, it it's it's kind of wetting people's appetite way too soon. Yeah, it's the kind of thing that if you really wanted some an additional weight to it, you could have had him come out with Norman Reedus. Yeah, that I been cool. don't even. Yeah, I don't even think you needed all that. In all, in all honesty, and Del Toro again. in a in a clown car. No, I don't. Yeah, that, I mean, I wonder why. Why wasn't he? Because that 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 seems like an interesting partnering. I think Del Toro made like a proclamation about how he doesn't want to do anything video game related because every time he's made an attempt, nothing's worked out well for him. <laughs> that says like a lot about. Kind of <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Jeez. Um. Yeah. So I mean, I mean, the trailer is is kind of weird. It doesn't really give you anything in terms of knowing what at all the game is going to be about. It's so cryptic, uh, and you can't again, you can't judge the. Well, he said it's actual gameplay for that's what the game's going to look like. But again, it, we're no, talking yeah, about yeah, a two yeah, minute thing, right. like three years out. I mean, I'm not really fuck that. Yeah, you can't make that proclamation when you don't have an engine. A, B. That I take that as seriously as the developers for Killzone Two telling me that. Oh yeah, that's actual gameplay. Oh man, I remember that. That shit was so annoying because that footage was sick. Yeah, that we're not even there yet. No, we're not. <laughs> it's we're nowhere near that. Like, yeah, that was insane. Uh, <laughs> I just managed bringing up old uh, old rage I got here. I forgot about that. I still have yeah. So I'm playing it out in my head now. I remember that scene where like the the camera all shaky and you're dropping down behind shit and there's like a firefight going on, right? Yeah, that was sick. Uh, uh anyway, yeah. So I guess what was the other other big announcements each uh, I mean, year? I think of is the um, well the lack of the of them talking about the the you know PS4 K or Neo whichever they're gonna call it. Um, so, it seems like it's pretty much because of Microsoft's Xbox you know the Scorpio announcement where it was like it's like a super powered <laughs> Xbox and it, it would have put the or does put the p the new ps4 version that they're coming out with kind of to shame so they kind of just held the announcement back to even talk about it because they're gonna like try and go in and, and like retool it or something to, to make it more comparable because this one just seemed like a like one of the like the minor refreshes that consoles had where it's pretty much the same console but it might have you know this added feature or that added feature and stuff whereas the scorpio almost seems kind of you know like a like a like the next like a gen xbox console. almost yeah, yeah. it's <laughs> Yeah, so that's that's it's pretty impressive. I mean, I I don't know enough details or or seen the the spec sheet to know if like to say definitively, oh yeah, I'm gonna get that. Like I'll sell my Xbox One and get the the Scorpio. I mean, if everything's backwards compatible and everything, and there's some kind of trade-in program, and I'm just paying the difference kind of thing, I guess I might I might as I, well do that. But but at the same time, I don't I don't I don't remember the last time I played anything on my Xbox One. I am 100% confident that neither PlayStation nor Microsoft are going to have anything that allows you to trade in your old machine for a reasonable price for the new version of these devices. Yeah, of course. Not. Yeah, you'd have to sell it to like another party or something before yeah. the price drops ridiculous when the new one comes out. That's the thing. So you'd have to have that little 
it's like selling a phone, like the iPhone. Like you want to sell that version you have before you know September, October time when they announce a new one, while it's still at its higher value. As soon as that shit comes out, your price, the value of I, your device is going to drop significantly. I would have just preferred it if they would have released a new version of both those machines that have upgradable parts inside of it, like plug and play. You know, you can you can open up the machine. Insert new RAM. You pay more money for you know more powerful RAM. You pay new money for you know pay more money for a more powerful processor. Oh, they have granted, that though. Granted, that's just a they PC. That. Yeah, it's called yeah, a PC. Granted, that's just a PC. <laughs> but uh, it, it's not plug and play. I feel like these these um, yeah, that uh, is the, companies the have part. the capacity to come up with something that is plug and play cap- uh, capable. And that's what a Steam machine was supposed to be. Yeah. Which it's again, it's still and I still don't think it, it that even a successful. Because you have too much, it got too crazy. It got out of hand where it wasn't. But also because the, the the manufacturing of the 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 steam machines are like, yep, this one's made by this company, this one's made by that company. It's like, oh, so it's not just like, you're you're literally outsourcing this to a variety. That's what of I mean. Companies. So it's just like buying a PC from like Alienware or this other company. It's like, okay, so I'm just buying a gaming PC, but it's called a steam machine. So it's like, why not just build? a gaming pc then it's the same thing i'm still going through all the hassle it might be a little less but it's still not the it still doesn't compare to the console or just you know yeah plug and play you turn it on you're good to go that's it but it it, it is cool it is cool that they did the whole crossplay thing i mean that was surprising right and like the whole you know uh microsoft with windows 10 like any game you buy is crossplay on on windows yeah 10 except i don't understand who that's really going to be interested like who 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 are you winning over with that because a PC gamer is not going to give a shit about being able to play cross-platform with an Xbox. Yeah, because they're just going to play on their PC. Because the PC is like, I could just play it on a PC. <laughs> yeah. And then an Xbox gamer is going to be like, if I could play it on PC to begin with, I would have just been doing that. I own an Xbox because I don't have a PC. Granted, I know there's going to be some like cross-pollination between the two, but it's going to be a very small minority. So I don't understand who that's really winning over. Yeah, this is it's, a good point. It's, it's I mean, a, but again, it's, it's an cool, option. Yeah, yeah, it's a nice gesture. People will appreciate it. I appreciate it. I don't have a fucking PC. I just don't really give a shit about that because if I could do one versus the other, I'm always going to be doing a PC versus an Xbox. Yeah, I mean, it's, again, it's a valid point. So, and I'm probably in the same boat. But again, like anything else, I'd rather have it than not have it. So it's cool. Uh, and they're, them, you know, them reaching out. I don't know if there's any progress or update on that. But you know, them reaching out to Sony about making like kind of the crossplay between their you know, their online play and stuff they want to do. Not between yeah. their games, obviously. But, yeah, like being in the same world. That would be cool because that's that that's a big disconnect where you, where you still have some kind of like like a segregation in the gaming community when you have people who... Well, one, these consoles are fucking expensive. So even if you, like, wanted to have both, a lot of people don't even have that option. Uh, especially, you know, younger kids or whatever, average income, low income, obviously. You know, if they even get one console at all, there might be a generation back. So just having that online community being like universal that 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 would be that's a nice touch i like that and they've already been doing again since earlier this year or even late last year the whole backwards compatibility and they keep on adding games to that so that they're they're making a lot of strides that i think are progressive in terms of uh the gaming industry as a whole and uh, you know that that i wish sony was making because i that, that again i hate that i still have my my ps3 i mean that sounds kind of shitty i mean people i guess a lot of people like to keep their consoles and stuff but for me i'm getting more and more into the whole space thing and just wanting to be consolidated in every aspect of my life so i really would just prefer to have a system that plays the games from the previous system and i know the whole hassles and headaches they say that goes along with it but i mean look microsoft did it with their system so i mean i don't i don't see i feel like it's just kind of bullshit or they just don't want to 
it's not as cost. It comes down to the dollars and cents, right? So it's not going to be cost effective for them to do it. So they're not going to do it, especially since it would then, like, uh, it would cannibalize their whole the PS Now thing, which is I think the real reason why they're not doing it because they have that whole PS Now program, which I I think is done. I'm not going to fucking pay money to yeah, rent no, a damn no. PS One game for whatever a week, a month, a day. I don't know. Not any amount of time. Like, what the fuck am I having done it myself? I can tell you, uh, it's bad. It does not perform well at all. Well, doesn't it stream? That's why too, because it's not even playing like yes, locally. It's That's horseshit. Which like, I, I don't understand. I if you play? can do that, why can't I just play from a disc? I'm 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 confident that there's a very technical explanation they can probably provide. I just I just yeah. If you I, can do that, then you should be able to play directly off a disc. Yeah, it's it's my I, outlook. Yeah, it's, 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 I just think it's, it's excuses. I, I imagine I the architecture between the PlayStation 2 and PlayStation 3 being very different. It's they said it's like night and day, yeah. Yeah, and the PlayStation 3 is the more complicated, or not complicated, but convoluted of all of them, which is why it's hard for them to do a, a, uh, an emulation of sorts. Yeah. But, but they've done something similar with this PlayStation Now so I have to imagine there's got to be something they can do. And maybe the PlayStation Neo, the PlayStation 4K, whatever they're going to fucking call it, might be able to do it. I'm hoping they will. It would make me a very happy boy it. if they did. Yeah, I mean, me too. But again, I doubt it. Yeah, because it just doesn't seem to I doubt it. They still don't let you it. change your, <laughs> your, your PSN name. Like, you can't change it. You have to create a new one or whatever. You know, like, Microsoft actually lets you change your gamer tag. Uh, but but PlayStation or Sony, I should say, doesn't doesn't let you still. That's a whole big thing. People always complaining about it. They have the same one, same. It's like having the same email address from like when you were in high school and being forced to keep using it <laughs> or create a new email address. Except in this case, it's actually tied to a lot of stuff like purchases and all that. So creating a new one is not that easy because then you're kind of just giving up all that stuff that you you know spent money on. So, but whatever. Yeah, that that was that was big. I got to look up more stuff on it. <laughs> to see if it's something that I'll actually be getting but for right now it's 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 tentative but I, I'll be leaning towards no unless there's some kind of ridiculous feature of it that I feel like I need to have or something same thing goes for the for the Neo again obviously I would like it even if it was just the it was just like oh 60 frames per second all the games or something then it's like oh yeah that's nice that's that's cool and if I could get enough money for my PS4 then I might do it but again I just got this on you know Black Friday so it's not even haven't been a year yet so it's kind of Shitty. I did get it for a good deal, so it's not like I, you know, I paid the regular price or full price for it. So, we'll, we'll see. We'll see down the road. Yep. Um. Agree, hundred percent. What else? What else was announced? Yeah. Well, so, so like, what else? What else was announced? Is there any other announcements you could think of? I mean, I, I, I know we want to talk about Mighty Number no. Nine, but that was kind of, that wasn't really an E three thing. That was kind of an after. So I want to know. Wasn't sure if there was any other E three stuff that I'm forgetting. Now, well, we can move on from E three because at this point in time, it is kind of old news, and like anything that I yeah. wanted to discuss, I've pretty much of this, you know, elaborated on. Yeah, that's fine. I just want to make sure we did cover the stuff. I mean, I'm not look. We don't need to be, you know scraping the bottom of the barrel to try to find stuff to talk about. I just wanted to make sure that there was all this stuff because I know we didn't talk about it. It's not like we got a list in front of us like, oh, hit these points. You know, we're just kind of remembering off the top of our heads like what happened two, three weeks ago, which is <laughs> pretty difficult. You're asking a lot of me, dude. In general. Yeah, exactly. So, I got the yeah, no, but that was... a fucking squirrel. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, well, then yeah, let's go right into fucking Mighty Number no. 9 and then and then we'll go into and then we'll we'll give um, Chris a call from, from Batholith. Yeah, Batholith Entertainment. Uh, yeah, to do to do the interview, and then we'll get on. Um. Uh, yeah, then we'll go from there. So yeah, but but we got to talk about Mighty Number no. Nine because good God, 
that was on my, I think it was my honorable mention on my most anticipated games list, Mighty Number no. 9. Uh, and it was supposed to be the new Mega Man and all that, you know, same developer, the guy who worked on all like the original the original Mega Man games, and even the the sequels that they did as, like, in the retro style, which apparently are amazing, and like you wouldn't be able to tell that they were made, you know, Mega Man uh, 9 and 10. Yeah, so I guess that goes to show you how those games were the work of many people and not just that one guy. There are many instances where, where like, it, it's easy for a game series to be viewed as the brainchild of one particular individual, but that's not necessarily the case. Like, there are hundreds of people to go into the development of a game, and you know, Ken Levine is an incredibly talented person, and Kojima is an incredibly talented person, and the guy who's behind Mega Man is probably also a very talented person. But like, it's not just them. You, know, you, you disassociate them from the other people who've contributed to these games and you realize how much those other people have given in terms of making that product what it is. Yeah, that's true. It also, I mean, it makes you wonder like what the level of involvement was. I mean, considering it was his kind of baby and he was, you know, he was there, he was the one talking about it and doing those things. It seemed like he was pretty involved in this stuff, but I remember hearing something about like the studios over here and he's still based out of Japan or something. So like how much was he really like, you know, back and forth and stuff. Was he doing stuff remotely? Was a lot of stuff left in the hands of of the team and didn't have his oversight? Kind of. Thing? It's just weird. I mean, it should be weird if that was the case. Considering it, if he was treating it like, oh, this is kind of my the continuing legacy of Mega Man and stuff. And they were already talking about a sequel before this one even come out. Even and this one was taking a while to come out too. And it's like you kind of getting putting the cart before the horse here. Like you want to just focus on this game and make sure you're. you're handling everything properly before you go talking about a sequel like let's see how this one does or like just worry about this game kind of thing so yeah but anyway again i, I was looking forward to it I, I love the Mega Man games and and there really hasn't been one like, i know there was the nine and ten which i never got i had them i had like the the free ones on xbox live because that's what they, they came out as and i never actually bought the full versions because all the xbox live stuff that i bought i always had like the free demos of to remember to to pay, you know, unlock the full version, which I liked, and they don't do that anymore. You know, there's no, as we were just saying before, there's not really demos of anything anymore where you could just like play X amount of time or just the first level of something and then, and like have it in your library and then just have the option on the mainstream to like unlock full game. Like they used to have that on 360 and Xbox Live. It was really cool. But anyway, I never did that for those games. So like I've been waiting for an actual Mega Man game for a long time. The last Mega Man game I bought was like X7. And I bought everyone before that because I loved the Mega Man series, and X Seven was the one that just kind of killed it for me. That was after they had went into the kind of into the three D or two point five D shit, mm-hmm. and I was like, "This is garbage." So I never got X Eight, and I've been waiting since then. So yeah, I was looking forward to it, man. And and the initial stuff I saw was, was interesting, at least the stills and stuff and the small little gameplay clips. But now that it's out, <laughs> you know, it was on our list to cover, and it's like I, I you know, money is is. It's tight where I, I, I'm not just going to be wasting money on something if I know this or I've seen this much beforehand that, that it's such a turnoff to it. Like, I'm not going to enjoy the game, so I'm not going to bother spending the money on it to just to do the episode on it because it's, it was like 20 bucks or something. And it, it it looks like shit, dude. It looks I know you've seen it. I mean, I'm not like giving you news that you don't know, but it's just venting here. But yeah, that, the game looks like garbage. Like, like some people being kind and being like, oh, it's just mediocre and it's not bad. I'm like, no, it looks bad. 
Like it, it, it definitely is just like a, it's, it's a Mega Man clone, which you knew and expected. But you know that was like supposed to be one of the pros or the the positive is what the reason you liked it or wanted it because people wanted a Mega Man game. So this was kind of a way of doing it without you know with a new IP because it's you know Mega Man is Capcom and you know even though this guy was behind all these Mega Man games, it's not his it's not his IP. So he, you can't actually call it Mega Man. So it was interesting to take it in in a new direction like this, but it, it looks like a game like on like I don't know PS2, PS3, like <laughs> it's hard. it looks like it looks like Mega Man as played on Newgrounds.com. <laughs> like yeah. it looks like a, a flash version of a Mega Man game. It's just it, it, everything about it just screams mediocrity and, and amateurish, and it's, it's poorly polished. the The visuals are incredibly flat. There, they have no sense of da- dynamics, no sense of depth. Yeah, the effects uh, suck. The you see, like looks, the explosions yeah. of the uh, with the bots. I'm like, this that looked like PS2, man. Or, uh, yeah, it, it looked bad. And then, like, once someone points out the fact that it looks like all pepperonis, you can't help but see pepperonis every time the explosion happens. You're like, oh man, like really, this is really bad. Yeah, like if it was a college student's like final project <laughs> for in like his game design, you know, degree, then it'd be fine. I'd be like, hey man, awesome job. <laughs> but a real yeah, like, d- valiant studio? attempt, man. Like God knows what happens when you finally get some financial backing behind your project, and then you realize that this game was crowdfunded for millions of dollars apparently yeah and then they start to say like hey you have to realize when you crowdfund if it says oh we we made you know it, we raised four million dollars it's really 60 percent of that or something like because I, I don't mean that seems like a crazy chunk to take out i mean obviously kickstarter and any crowdfunding site has to take some kind of cut but i don't get how you get from four million and saying oh well, whatever the price is you're saying 60 percent is what you actually end up with like where the hell is the 40 percent yeah, that, that's incredible I'm like, I, I mean, kick these crowdfunding sites, I highly doubt they're taking 40%. So they must be talking about other things, like, I guess, promotional stuff that, that it just gets reinvested. Like, like to get crowdfunding, they're they're putting money up front, and, and then the money they get in return, a lot of it's already kind of accounted for. So really what you end up with after Kickstarter's fees and, and all that, whatever marketing you did, ends up only being about 60% of total but whatever I mean I think they said it was like 4 million or something like that or it could have been more but so you said okay so that's whatever 2.5 between you know 2.5 or 3 million or something they were around to, to make this game it's still I mean I don't know what game budgets are I need something to compare it to to, to, to say like oh well this game was made for this amount of money and look how that turned out I don't have any off the top of my head but from what I've heard, that it's there's no excuse. And, well, comparing and it, is a it lot to something like uh, the the old school Super Nintendo Mega Man games that did not have budgets that were anywhere near as staggering, I have to imagine, or, or maybe they did. But you know what? Like they did more with less in terms of the technology, and the game still turned out infinitely better than what you ended up getting with Mighty Number no. Nine. So, if they felt like, hey, you know what? Maybe this is going to be a lot more expensive than we can do with what we currently can afford. Then maybe you should have downscaled down back to two D. No one was going to complain about. Well, that's. It. Like, I was actually going to say one of the things. I think the uh, again, this is all information that, that I've heard like kind of a second hand. I didn't know this myself, but I've heard it multiple times that the reason you don't see a lot of that stuff in the old style, like except for like you know little retro games and stuff, is that it's really hard and really expensive to actually do games in that pixel art style because there are no pixel artists because it's just not a thing anymore like you have the people who did it who are around like veterans and stuff but there's no new people coming out of schools with pixel art skills and stuff so finding someone is hard and then the cost and the time that goes into it is way more expensive that's why they go this 2.5d route okay 
for co- for cost, it's like not as much a, a, a creative decision as it is a, a a cost decision, which is unfortunate. I mean, I mean, it, it's 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 actually surprising to me because I'm like, really, you can't find two D people. I mean, because they see games out there. I see games made by individuals that look just yeah. like you know they were I've Game Boy games or Super Nintendo. I'm like, art, um, uh, <laughs> like like renditions of. Major 3D games, well, even like to the moon, like to the moon well, in a bird uh, yeah, story. We're talking about 3D and stuff, games. Like... I've seen uh, actual pixel, pixelized games, like 2D games, on the likes of like an iPad. There's that game, uh, Super Brothers Sword and Sorcery, that looks really good. That is super pixelated. I downloaded it and I never played it. I still have it, and I know it's supposed to be amazing. I played it. It's all right. Still haven't it's gotten okay. around to. It. Yeah. yeah, it's 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 it's. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. I, I intend to play. I might actually cover it with uh, with Chris on the mobile version of the of the show and do an episode on it. But it's been a while since we did any of those too. It's just been crazy with everything else going on and trying to get the games done for this for the main series. So, but it's on the radar. Um. Um. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I mean, that being said, the the yeah, Mighty Number no. Nine is not on the list, unfortunately, people's unless uh, somebody wants to send us a. Uh, you know, I don't a redeem code or some kind of free way to get it. I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll play it for a Steam key. Yeah, speaking actually, of Steam key, well, not speaking of Steam key because we couldn't use it. <laughs> so, but anyway, yeah. So, but yeah, that's pretty much for for the the game news portion of stuff. We actually want to kind of get into our next segment, which is the interview we're gonna have. Uh, we're gonna be bringing on a uh, Chris McCauley. Uh, to the show, he he's with uh, Batholith Entertainment. Uh, he's an indie developer, and um, he has a game coming out. It's being published through uh, Indie Voyage. Uh, we might have uh, somebody on from Indie Voyage also uh, on this if he gets on the call with us too. But yeah, the, he's just going to talk to us about. I don't know. Just we're going to shoot the shit. We don't have any kind of strict format or anything. We're just going to see what we talk about and you know he'll obviously talk about his game that he's working on now and 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 that he has coming out and then hopefully we'll get to talk to uh to rob from uh from indie voyage and and talk about his company and you know because they they help pretty much publish uh indie games and stuff via crowdfunding um so actually curious uh to see what he has to say because uh, i was unaware or unfamiliar with this company uh, or either of these companies uh until they reached out to us uh, via our website IndieMajors.com. Um, yeah, so they emailed us. We responded. And look, we're interviewing them. So take note of that, people, listeners out there. Uh, yeah, so without further ado, I'm going to get Chris on the call here. Yeah, so we got uh, Chris on, right? It's Chris, Christopher? Yep, it's Chris. Chris, cool. Chris McCauley, right? Did I pronounce that right? McCauley, yeah, that's correct. Cool. All right, and is it Batholith Entertainment? That's how I pronounce Batholith, it? Batholith, yes. Batholith. All right. Cool. So, yeah, like, introduce yourself. Let us know who you are, what you do. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I'm Chris McCauley. Um, <laughs> I'm the owner of Batholith Entertainment. We, uh, we're an indie company, myself and one artist. Uh, the artist's name is Kyle Peters. Um, we're uh, making video games, right? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, our game is Zavix Tower. And um, <clears throat> it's kind of a throwback in a lot of ways, to like the old wizardries and might and magics, um, but set in kind of a procedurally generated endless tower. Um, and then we, we use some more modern elements like talent trees and like Diablo-style randomized loot and whatnot. Um, 
that uh, you wouldn't have found in those older games. But at the same point in time, you know, it kind of fits and feels good with the uh, kind of the endless, endless dungeon feel. So cool. So, so yeah, sorry, I, I don't want to jump in. I just I don't want to cut him off when you said it before. But the so it, it is it's an endless it's it's an endless dungeon. Is that um. Is that how those old games were? Again, because Vincent and I, I don't want to speak for you, Vincent, but I mean, I'm pretty sure you're in the same boat as me. It's like we pretty much grew up as, you know, console uh, gamer stuff. So a lot of the stuff is out of our kind of wheelhouse in terms of like our experience with, with gameplay and stuff. And as I mentioned earlier, unfortunately, we weren't able to to use the Steam yeah. keys, which you so That's generously what I was elaborate <laughs> gave to us. Yeah, we wanted to we went to use them and realized, oh, it was, um you know, because we're both on Macs. Right. So we weren't able to use them. So it was unfortunate. I mean, we... we um. I think we, we both, both ruin like, and lament. We can assure you. <laughs> yeah, but you know, I, I saw I saw obviously the 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 page for it on Steam and the images and and the the video and stuff of, of some of the gameplay. So I get kind of the gist of what you mean. Now is that that endless uh, part of it? Is that how those old games were? Is that something an element that's uh, unique to this? That is an endless dungeon. Uh, so yeah, no, they were not endless dungeon. Um, they were like full big like RPG stories and whatnot. Um, something we just simply don't have the budget to make ourselves um we yeah, would love to do that but just the cost we you know have to do what we can do without going bankrupt you know yeah and no, of course you can kind of look at this like as a statement of intent then of sorts oh you mean like like, like the project like this project like so yeah like, like this is you, you you cutting your teeth of sorts on a project like this my my, my question when it comes to um like I, i've only had so much experience with the kind of roguelike, procedurally generated um, uh, dungeons or dungeon crawlers, if you want to call them that. Uh, the closest thing I've come to that is with the Bloodborne with its chalice dungeons. And one thing I've noticed when it comes to those particular like randomly generated things is that it, at, a, at a certain point in time, you begin to wonder, like, you don't see the hand of the creator as often there. Like... Uh, you are often being led when you, when you have things that are not procedurally generated. You have things that are kind of leading you from location to location, um, right? Like like specific vistas of sorts. Mm -hmm. And without being able to provide those vistas, uh, you you kind of like get that feeling where th there's a bit of sameness to it. The, how do you feel like you reconcile that kind of thing like did you feel like you encountered that kind of problem when it came to procedurally generated dungeons that you were doing definitely i mean that that's the the downside to procedurally generating right so you know the upside is you can create tons of content really quickly yes of course in in terms of creating the game and then the, the downside is is that you don't have a as much or any curated experience um and you know, uh, games typically try to walk the line between the two, um, as long as they have the budget to do so. Um, yeah. We definitely feel that. You know, we would like to have done more of the story. We may be able to still. Um, so it really just kind of depends. We have a lot to do still. We have a lot of features still not in the game yet that we are planning. Um, and one of the things, kind of like a, to put it in like Kickstarter terms, one of our stretch goals what do we do to do more with the story? Um, so, uh, is it specifically just you and uh, who, who's the um, Kyle the Peters is the artist, Kyle. Um, and yeah, just is, us two. Okay, that, yeah, that, that's that's a triumph as far as I'm concerned. Uh, yeah, you said you're doing a stretch goal. Uh, there are some games I that I've recently heard about where they're doing like they're adding on um, narrative content 
as secondary stuff. It's not like they're charging you extra for it, but like they're going to slowly implement this stuff into it. Like the recently there was a game called Assemblance that was re- released on the uh, PlayStation 4 and possibly also PC. Uh, right now in its current form, you've got about 15 to 20 minutes worth of content in terms of a narrative. Uh, and then there were talks about them releasing additional stuff. Like, would you also consider maybe like, as of right now, it's still kind of rough um, in terms of like you providing a narrative experience. Uh, right. Yeah. Uh, we would like to add more. Yeah. Yeah. I'd imagine like, like it's like we, we were only able to kind of like see gameplay via YouTube because unfortunately, like we said, we don't really have access in terms of PC. Uh, but like what we saw there was like, Oh, this is promising. Like it looks, cause this is early access, correct? It is. Uh, yep. but not for too much longer, but yes. Okay, I'm actually unfamiliar with that process because I just started getting into Steam recently too. So how does that work actually where the game is up and available for people? Is that like, is, is early access kind of a certain, another term for like beta, like it's in beta or something? Um, in a way, yes, that's how we view it. Um, but I mean, it is what you make of it. So early access essentially is um, a, a halfway release, right? So you can sell the game and you are able to run whatever kind of promotions and whatever you want to do. You can promote your game and you have somewhere for everybody to go pick it up. But Steam doesn't do a lot to promote you until after you go out of early access. Um, So it's kind of, like I said, we look at it as a beta, but other people have used it and never left at early access, which unfortunately gives early access a bad name. Um, Other companies um, use it as kind of like a a finalizing beta or an open beta. so it just really depends on, on what you want to do with it. Um, like I said, for us, we use it as just our beta in general. Um, that way people that want to play it can play it while we're still, you know, uh, unready to call it finished in any way, shape, or form. Uh, Chris, how, how um, uh, there are a lot of people playing this as of right now. Like, have you listened to, have you read some of the, uh, the comments? Have you like, oh man, like... You read some things and go like, oh, that's a great idea. I'd love to be able to incorporate that. Or like they make mention of certain things like this is a great idea that you've done here. You know, like th- th- can you expand on this? Like has there been what do you any- mean, like, like focus group type stuff? Like, yeah, like people I have to imagine this type of thing is a great type, like provides great feedback. So yeah, that like, was my point right we now. use the Steam community um, almost yep. exclusively. And yeah, every day. I mean, I'm on there, I don't know, 20 times a day at least. Um, and yeah, we listen to everything that's being said, you know, some, uh, anything that fits where we're trying to go with the game and, um, whatnot, we, we put on our list to do, um, not everything does, you know, people want all kinds of things. Um, and we try to, you know, obviously fix any bug or anything else that, that goes wrong with the game, but also add, you know, ease of access. Like somebody might uh, ask the other day for, uh, to be able to sort their bag by rarity. Um, so that's something that went on the list. Uh, is it going to make it this week? No. But is it something that I will put in eventually? Yes. Um, and yeah. so that's not something I'd ever really even thought about putting in. And we're just, you know, it goes on our list. And as we get to it, we, we add it to it. So uh, that's an example of one of the features that will come in probably after we exit early access, to be honest. I think it's one of the coolest things about, like, this particular era of games that we live in where, like, you have these patches and you have these add-ons that you can consistently go back to and only improve on things that has been pre-existing it's it's i think it's one of the highlights of this, this gaming like, generation yeah like as opposed to like yeah when it was like cartridges and stuff like once a game went gold or whatever it was like this is the game 
Well, any, bu- yeah. any bugs and things in there are going to be in there. <laughs> like well, even more than the, the cartridge stuff. Like you can go back, like you know, the old you know PlayStation stuff and like old PC games and like yeah, uh, even discs. Yeah, before basically before online got incorporated, where you could actually yeah do stuff after the fact after the after games went gold. Yeah, it's the kind of stuff that makes things like podcasts like somewhat invalidated in the sense like you can listen to something and you can hear critique. That critique may not be valid six months down the line yeah because yeah. something that was addressed in that podcast whether it be film television video games uh anything that has a medium that has like a like a like a flux to it uh that stuff may not necessarily be present x number of months slash years down the line and it's what's really cool about this particular generation of gaming yeah, yeah i mean i would even say most games don't ship finished i, I not just most well, i would say almost all i agree 100 percent yeah yeah Looking at you, Ubisoft. <laughs> Not pointing yeah. fingers. Well, you say, you say like day one patches and stuff we're talking, right? Like, like you buy a game and like you first thing you do when you get it, it's like, hey, there's a patch. It's like I haven't even started it yet. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. but I'd rather have that than 500 bugs that didn't get ironed out, you know? Yeah, yeah. No, oh, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, yeah so it's always the, the pro and con of it because then you get people complaining. It's like, well, now they people get upset because you, got, you get games that, that are doing it. Like at what level are they releasing man how big are these day one patches like when you release it like it should be pretty much gold and you release you know you get out work out all the major bugs and stuff and then any additional things you can kind of patch afterwards as you see them or as you, you get more players uh the initial group of players playing it and then you can release it but when you have ones that are like the patch is bigger than the whole than the than the game itself <laughs> where it's like what the fuck man like or they're releasing it like halfway done basically or it's like so buggy where you then you lose all the credibility because the people who got on it these games, the games that come out, I can't think of it on the top of my head, but I know there's been a lot of recent stuff, just really Arkham big Asylum? like complaints. Oh yeah, it was that. Oh, and that was on was on PC, right? Yeah, that was an atrocity. Right, yeah. they had to oh, refund Lord. everybody, go back to the drawing boards, and redo the whole thing. Yeah, so it's like you think people would be aware, like like did you guys not know it was this bad? Like, cause you always get the one-offs. People are always gonna find stuff when you have you know thousands of people or millions of people playing it versus you know the whatever you have 100 people on your team playing it beta testing and wouldn't even be that big honestly uh you know within the company so yeah people are gonna find stuff obviously afterwards but when it's something that's that egregious it's like you guys had to have known this was in here it's like are you just working so hard under deadlines that they're just throwing things out like hey don't worry about it we'll patch it well you know after the fact and then people are just rushing to get things out too quick now you know so it's like the give and take chris you're, you're you're a part of this world you're engrossed in this world um is there a reason why? Like, is there just a, a lack of awareness on the part of the developers that these type of bugs exist and that they're just willing to endure the the hit of releasing a game unfinished and then releasing a patch? Because like something like Arkham Knight, right. where it, it was unplayable for most players. Like, like I can only imagine the only reason for that bad of a mistake is that they had very specific hardware in their company and there was not enough variety um okay that's the only thing i can think of because that game was unplayable by like 80 percent of the community so that's kind of ridiculous um when it comes to yeah, like other things staggering yeah so for for like indies uh one of the problems you have is that when you make your game you play it a certain way um and no matter how hard you try you're not going to think of all the different ways that other people are going to play the game um and so, like, one thing I find, like, for myself and, and the artist, we actually play the game very differently, which is great, because when he plays it a certain way and it crashes, you're like, oh, okay, let's get let's get that fixed. Um, I have been playing that piece of content 
for hours and didn't get the crash, but you yeah. clicked in a certain different way and we get a crash. And so um, the developers themselves are kind of like the worst testers possible for their own games. So if you don't have people playing it that aren't you, then you're you're just going to miss a ton of different cases that, that end up oftentimes with bugs. Do you have any uh, playtesters? We're not specifically playtesters. Have you ever had any gamers who specifically, like their goal is to get your game to crash? Like they want to do anything that the developer has not explicitly lined I mean, that's as what, like... That's what QA testing specifically yeah. is. I mean, it's a well, like, job to crash, we know, to find We know out Chris does time. that. Like Chris <laughs> specifically likes to do things that the developers have not like thought of. Like things that you would not anticipate the player would do. Have you had anyone contact you like, hey man, we did this, this happened? So I do have um, a couple of really good friends. Uh, they actively try to crash the thing. Um, which, you know, isn't always very fun for me, but it's something that needs to be done. Um, and then there's actually a couple people in the community that um, have gone out of their way and above and beyond uh, and really helped to, uh, to play test the game. Um, and it's, it's really been a helpful, helpful process because, I mean, they're not paid and they're just you know, they're just helping us out, which is wonderful. Yeah, they're fans. Yeah, it's it's unreal, really. It's it's amazing. Cool. Uh, speaking of unreal, not that this I'm assuming that's what you're using, but I wasn't to ask what actually what engine are you using? Like, what what are you using to build the game? So our game is written in Mono Game, um, which is built on Sharp DX, which is the same thing that Unity is built on. Um, okay. So Unity is built on Mono. It's a it's a C Sharp Sharp DX. Uh, DirectX kind of uh, uh, plugin. So um, it's what XNA used to be. It's the continuation of XNA, I guess I should say. Um, oh, no. Which is what uh, I got into in college. So okay, are there, and are there any other um, any other games out there that that are like that are, were built on it that you know of that like that we would know maybe Bastion. Oh really? Yeah. Uh, Oh wow! Yeah, yeah, we did. Yeah, we did enough. We covered Bastion actually too. And yeah, Transistor. I saw that. Did they do? Did they? Oh, you did. Yeah, did they? Yeah, Vincent was not a fan. <laughs> That's why I'm quiet now. Yeah, I know. Well, I liked it. And, I'm gonna make a sandwich, guys. And, see you. And, yeah. I, I got Chris mixed reviews it. on Bastion myself, but I did. I did enjoy it enough. That's for sure. I felt like I got my my money's worth. Yeah, I, yeah. That's the boat. Yeah, I won't argue with that. I, I prefer. I definitely enjoyed Bastion more than I enjoyed my time with Transistor. But the, again, like that was of my own. Volition. I made a poor choice for playing it on a handheld device as opposed to playing it on a console. Yes, you did. Right. Another <laughs> one would be like Fez. Fez was done in it. Oh, yeah, really? That was too? Yeah, so there's, there, it's not horridly uncommon, um, but it's... Uh, yeah, no, those are big name games that, that use it. Did Transistor use it too as well as Bastion or just Bastion? To be honest, I actually don't know. Um, I mean, because it looked really similar, so I figured it might have done it on the same engine, but yeah, it might not be. Yeah, I've, I've kind of had my head stuck in code for a year, so I haven't really popped my head up to even do a lot <laughs> yeah. of the researching, to be fair. Um, but yeah, it's um, it's the continuation of XNA, so that's really what it comes down to. And when I was in college way back in the day, that's what I got used to. So when we decided to kind of go for broke and give this a try, um, that's what I was most comfortable in. So. Cool, yeah. And did, is that what you went to school for? Like you just used it in school? Or did you go to school for like game design or just for coding? So, I mean, I got a regular computer science degree um, with an emphasis in games. So, it's but it's it's not like going to a game school. It's it's more of a traditional um, programming degree. And then uh, yeah. okay, and is that where you met the? Um, is it Kyle? 
No, I actually met Kyle through a friend of a friend and just kind of hit it off and eventually, for a while we were just screwing around with it in spare time and then, and I was doing mostly like web design stuff just to pay the bills, um, but it was always my goal to do video games, just hadn't really got to it and um, then we just kind of, like I said, went for broke. We'll see how that goes. Yeah, how how long ago was that? Like, when did you guys first start? How many games have you uh, done so far? Is this the this isn't the first? I'm think I know of one other one that I think you guys have done, right? There, this is our second. Yeah, the first one was the tower defense game, and that was really kind of just can we do this? Um, can we even, you know, finish a title? Um, and that one's pretty rough around the edges. Um, its its name is Hydraulic Empire. Um, it's on Steam, so it's also there. Um, it's definitely rough around the edges. As a first try, it was. It was good to figure out we could do it, but also at the same point in time, you know, we, we realized we had a lot, um, a lot to learn, a lot to do. What would you say that you've uh, learned with your experience in that game that made designing um, this game a little bit easier? So, basically, that uh, the first ninety percent of the game takes twenty percent of the time, and the last ten percent of the game takes all the rest. Um, <laughs> and it's the last 10% that everybody cares about. So, um, it's like squashing the bugs, just, well, it's the bugs, the ironing out and make sure everything is works together narratively, mechanically, right? Yeah. It, it, the fluidity of the UI, um, you know, all the controls being as tight as possible, the, you know, um, everything it's just all the little stuff like your tool tips uh being really solid and not just like this is what i think people want to hear you actually need to know you need to figure out what they need to hear not just what you think they need to hear um learned a lot about what users are looking for that you know i've been playing games since i was like three years old but i didn't even realize what i wanted to see if that makes sense uh, no yeah no that yeah. makes perfect sense you realize that stuff once you do take like, it, or if you do take like, like a, a game design course. Not meaning like not about like literally like using whatever Maya or or three D Studio Max like about making a game, but like the concepts, the philosophy of game play. Like meaning even board games and every type of game, you know. And you learn like all that user interaction and yeah, rules and and, and yeah stuff like that. Because I took a class like that in college as well like i went for animation with a specialization in game design with i'm doing quotes right now because i i know shit about game design after getting my degree but technically yeah so we took a course on that and yeah and once you start thinking about that it's kind of the thing honestly and unfortunately i guess in my case is like it's one of the things that actually turned me off it's like it's when i going to school for it and being like oh i want to make games because i like playing games it's like two different things very you know nice. yeah it's like yeah just because you like to play them does not mean you'd like to make them necessarily so every, every time i think about that you know i'm playing something or i'm like oh, i think it'd be really cool to make a game i just kind of hark back to my <laughs> my college days and, and just any of those little tedious tasks that, that are involved with it. and that was just a microscopic look at, at, at what is involved in actually a, a full-on game uh, development so so completing a game at all is an accomplishment <laughs> so yeah it definitely is. You're 100% right. And it just, you know, that's a lot of what we learned with our first game. And so we spent a whole lot more time on that side of things um, with this game. And so far, the community is being much more receptive to it. Um, and we feel like it's a much better game. Um, of course, we're biased. And we, we see our bias there. But, um, you know, uh, 
I think, well, I would hope that just about any developer gets better the more times they, they take a crack at it. And uh, we really feel like we've done that this time. So. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, again, yeah, it does make sense. I mean, I, I there's always going to be the one-off cases where you can see, even in mainstream stuff, where you can see that's not the case, where you just see like the slow downward spiral. <laughs> you would think, yeah. hey guys, you keep fucking up more and more, but it's usually not the case, at least on the way up. It's just once you get to the top, I guess that, or if you start setting expectations too high in anything, then people start expecting more of you, and then. Yeah, so, well, hopefully you're lucky enough to get to that point, right? <laughs> Where you're like, yeah, we've made so many successful games, we're starting to kind of slip off now. We only sold, you know, 10 million copies of our last title. So, oh, yeah. only. I'd, I'd like to have that problem. <laughs> I would take that yeah. problem for sure. Well, let, me, <laughs> let me speak at that press conference and explain my failure. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. Um, so, um... Well, I mean, I, I want to get to, I guess, uh, get, get Rob on the call in a minute, too, because I want to start getting into the questions about, like, you know, how you... Well, one, I want to get like how, how you published the first game compared to how you published this one. Because I mean, I know this one you're partnering with Indie Voyage now, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, so, were they involved in the first one at all, or was that just literally you, you and Kyle? They were not. Yeah, I tried to do the stuff myself and realized the gross inadequacy that I <laughs> that I was in that area, and I uh, I uh, sought help for this title because, yeah, it, it's. You mean like the mar- just marketing, self-promotion and all that? Mm. Yeah, as simple as it sounds, it's not simple at all. No, it's not. Yeah, I mean, even doing this, we're just doing this, just me and Vincent podcast, and I'm doing just the back-end stuff. And on a list, it's a short list, but the day-to-day and trying to keep up with it, like just, you know, the website and update this and then the Twitter and the Facebook and responding to emails and all. It's like, those are all real simple tasks individually, but when you, it's that is all separate stuff aside from your main task, which in your case is pretty much everything aside from doing the character animations, I imagine, right? Because you said Kyle's the artist? Yeah, so he, he does the animations, he does the modeling, he does the textures, he does... He typically does the sound, although we have found somebody to contract some sound stuff for him, which should start to come in in about a month. Um, nice. So, stuff like that. So he does the, uh, the videos for YouTube or whatever. Um, you know, and I do the programming, I do the... You know, interfacing with Rob, I do everything else other than what I mentioned before. <laughs> so yeah, we, we both wear a lot of hats, uh, sometimes too many hats, and and bringing Rob in is is a godsend. So yeah, that's cool. And did 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 you seek out? You said you sought out like uh, help like for to get in the game published. Did you go to crowdfunding initially, or did you find Rob at Indie Voyage, or like how did you guys cross paths? So we uh, went to GDC. And Rob was at GDC, and he handed us a card. And uh, a couple months later, when I was ready to really start thinking about getting towards the finishing of this project, um, I looked through my cards and started with Rob and finished with Rob. So, um, you know, he had a a great pitch, and and they're very indie-friendly, as opposed to, like, the big publishing companies that kind of want to take over control of everything. It's it's a it's a it's a good relationship in that way to where you don't have to give up all control of your game in order to get some some help publishing. So it's great. Okay, yeah, I mean that that yeah, that's and that's good. That's I guess one of the huge benefits of going to any of those kind of conventions or, or conferences. I actually wanted to start doing that for the show here, like just going like to PAX or something because I know that's like good for for indie uh, stuff. And I guess the GDC would be big too. I just don't know how much if we'd be like out of our element because we're not really in that 
in that exactly obviously we do a podcast on games and indie development so there probably would be some interesting uh, connections to make or people to meet but we're not developing specifically so i don't know how well we fit in but all those things are always kind of on like the wish list of, of things to do but a lot of them are you know not necessarily right in our backyard either so like i mean the closest i know they're like in boston and stuff but that's what like five hours three hours something like that no to it's get not to. that far yeah three yeah, hours, hours, yeah, three hours yeah that's like the big i wanted to get to so hopefully we can do that but getting a table is a whole nother thing too and everything right so yeah it ain't we'll cheap. see we'll see <laughs> yeah, exactly so this is a this is a hobby as of right now we got like income coming in so that would all be out of our pockets and our pockets are pretty light at the moment <laughs> so um but yeah actually now that we are talking about indie voice stuff i was gonna uh, add uh rob onto the call right now so we can talk a little bit about that with us too since we're into that part of the interview uh so i am adding him right now so the um while we're waiting for uh, rob to get on chris the um i know you mentioned that you said what this game uh, zavix tower is is like is it in the vein of or what it kind of calls back to but the uh uh, what games I would say like uh, inspired you? I imagine it's probably the same list of stuff. But like, is what kind of games did you play growing up, or do you play now? If you have any time to play any games, honestly, with all the stuff you do, um, and then you know what inspired you to do this game and this t- this type of game. So the inspirations for this specific game are uh, the a board game called Dungeons, um, and that's where it kind of gets its room per uh, one kind of event per room kind of feel uh, from. And then the kind of older school uh, CRPG or American RPG, whatever you want to call them, from back in the 90s and even early 2000s, which are Might and Magic and Wizardry and stuff like that. Um, And then lastly, you kind of have some more modern elements that are uh, more related to like action RPGs or MMOs or even kind of JRPGs. So those kind of aspects. Um, For me, what do I play? I play just about anything that doesn't need a high reaction time <laughs> so um i i'm big on strategy games uh for instance for starcraft 2 i made it to masters i uh, love turn-based games so like civilization I, I will take a couple days off when civ 6 comes out in october um so on and so forth like anything that i can sit down and think hard about i, I love grand strategies i like strategy games Action RPGs are great. Love RPGs in general. Um, MMOs, I used to do a lot of WoW. Uh, yeah, that's what I play. Mainly, um, and these are all uh, like uh, PC title and stuff, so you, you grew up uh, PC and play still currently, not so much consoles? No, I uh, actually have tons of consoles. Um, like, But I usually play like an action RPG. Or, like, so like Witcher. Or, um, let's see, my son and I are playing Tomb Raider finally. Uh, I have a seven-year-old. Uh, oh, wow. Okay, nice. Yeah. Um, I forget which one. It's on the Xbox One. Uh, it was the free one they gave out not too long ago. Oh, yeah. The game's uh, good. Yeah, I got the same yeah. one. <laughs> what? It's Rise not Rise of the Tomb Raider? No, Rise of the Tomb Raider is a new one. There's a sequel. So just, it's, it's, it's just the Tomb first Raider. one. Yeah, it's just Tomb Raider. Yeah, yeah just they're, just they're kind of revamping of it. Yeah, I yeah got we're the doing thing. that. Um, I buy the Halos because my son loves them. Um, I'm just not that wonderful at them. Um, That's like Vincent. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I suck at those games. I, I I always I played the Halos. That was like my week, my like weekend routine with my friends. It was the best. I, I remember fondly those days of just looking forward to Fridays and then playing like every 
every weekend like night for a few hours and trash talking and all that and but those days yeah, are gone see, those, those are the kind days of games, are gone. yeah those are the kind of games i think i could handle reasonably well when playing against a computer but the second you start playing against another human being i just that's can't what's hang. fun man even getting your ass kicked is fun it takes a lot of practice yeah yeah it yeah. does it and it takes does. a real high tolerance for getting your ass kicked yeah, which unfortunately I don't have. Hey, well, so does Guitar Hero, Vincent. How many hours did you fucking plunk into that? <laughs> more than a... I care to admit, as a thirty-year thirty-year-old man. More than I care to admit. Hey guys, I, I guys played a lot of finally more. in. There yes. he is. Yes. Yeah. Welcome, Robert. Thank you. Thank you, yes. Thank you very this, much. Yes, this is the this is the Robert we spoke of minutes ago. He has now joined us. <laughs> the rare and elusive here. Robert has appeared. Yes. Someone throw a master ball at him. I am like oh. a ninja. <laughs> That's Reverse funny ninja, you know. I just I appear out of nowhere. Uh, disappearing was... is another thing altogether. <laughs> yeah, we were just uh, yeah, we were just talking about the uh, we were getting into how um, you know how he got uh, how Chris got the the first game uh, published compared to this one, and uh, so we started talking about uh, Indie Voyage and how he got you know partnered up with you and and your company. Uh, he's, you know, he's telling us you guys uh, met at GDC and stuff, so. I thought that was a good uh, kind of segue or opportunity to get you involved in the call. I know you were waiting in the wings there for a while. We had uh, some technical difficulties, so the <laughs> we had you waiting a little longer than we they would be anticipated. But glad you you hung in with us. Oh no worries. I used the opportunity to take a little bathroom break, so I was much needed. Oh, there you go. All worked <laughs> out. Not all of us were as fortunate. He says he's <laughs> clenching his legs he- together. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So. Um, yeah, so I guess it's if you wanted to, I guess uh, elaborate on. Well, I mean, you need to rehash. I guess we know you guys met at GDC and stuff. But how did you get into? Like, how did Indie Voyage start? How did you get into to gaming originally? How did you start Indie Voyage? You know, well, what, what uh, does that company do? Gaming wise, I've been doing it since I was a little kid. Um, I mean, I guess like a lot of us, you know, uh, I started with the. Um, I mean, I had an Atari, but we had an Atari 800 computer, and I started on text adventure games. And uh, that's the kind of thing that just drove me nuts. I loved playing text adventures and just got into adventure gaming. And actually, during that course of time, I played um, the original Bard's Tale and just loved that game. And that's what actually drew my attention to Zavix Tower at GDC is I'm like, oh, my God, this this game reminds me of my youth quite a bit. It, it had the look and feel, the, the turn-based, party-based role-playing game, and... That's something that, as good as um, the modern uh, American role-playing game is, it just I kind of miss that uh, dynamic. And this this takes it and it puts a little bit of a spin on it, so that you're doing some dungeon crawling uh, as well as doing the role-playing games. And um, yeah, the, I, I uh, chatted with him about that, and you know, the rest is uh, history. Nice. Um, yeah, sweet. Um, the what was I going to ask? The, yeah, I was gonna say because I had it. I I, I, well, I emailed it to you, and I, we already spoke about it. Chris, who was like, unfortunately, Vince and I weren't able to, you know, to use the Steam keys that you guys, you know, so generously had <laughs> sent to us. Uh, so all we were able to do was, you know, just check out, you know, the Steam page itself, and the um, and the, and you know, watch some gameplay videos and stuff. And we were talking to Chris about, you know, it being in the alpha stage. Um, so in terms of what Indie Voyage uh does or its its role in, well, I guess specifically Zavix Tower, you guys. Do you guys do things on a game by game basis, or do you not like work with like Batholith now? So for a- this project and then any future projects, or is that, or is it just like 
again on a case by case it's game by game uh we started a couple years ago i met my business partner um colin sullivan uh and uh we just started talking we were we were like um i had been in the business forever i've been in well not forever but like going on uh, 14 and a half years right now uh been i've worked on just every kind of game um a little bit of AAA at the very beginning on on console. I worked some sports games, but since then I've done you know mobile and education games and all these crazy uh, games that no one's ever heard of unless you have unless you have kids, which uh, you guys may have. But it's <laughs> I, been I a do. Few I years. got one. Uh, like <laughs> not Leap, into gaming yet. <laughs> Leapfrog products and stuff like. Oh that. yeah, I know. I know that stuff. That's really popular stuff, actually. Yeah, they're very popular. My my girlfriend's niece and nephew plays them. <laughs> Yeah, my nieces love that stuff. They they totally got into it. Um, They're good. But the, they they can be, but the like you just never really hear about them, and you don't think of them as games, and and uh, unless you actually have a chance to sit down and play with one. Um, but uh, yeah, that I mean, I've been kind of wanting to do something different. Uh, I mean, my my passion in games is uh, definitely more on the PC side, and. Um, you know, work is work, and this I kind of want to turn into work. Uh, and we just started talking how much we both like the indie side of things. His, mm-hmm. He's a of lawyer, and he, yeah, and, and he works on, like, his specialty is in Kickstarter, and he kind of helps indie game companies with legal stuff. Um, and I wanted to get into helping indie game companies with my, you know, expertise i'm holding up quotes and my fingers and whatnot but uh we have a lot of air quotes this episode exactly exactly uh, <laughs> it's a great use on on audio podcasts i always forget well, you <laughs> have, like, no you one have can to, see me yeah you have to mention them that's why yeah yeah, yeah of course <laughs> just preface it with i'm using air quotes uh, permanently i'm just going to throw it out there everything i say is in air quotes <laughs> that won't that won't help my reputation uh, so yeah, we were talking, and he actually had uh, had some discussions with um, Arthur Danskin, uh, who developed uh, Reassembly. I don't know if you're familiar with that one. It's a vector-based space kind of game. It's very cool. I recommend you go out and, and try it out. It's, it's um, kind of like uh, a, oh gosh, Asteroids meets, in terms of look, meets some kind of... Um, uh, you basically, you just grow your spaceship from nothing to this giant. Oh, so it's like so it's like asteroids meet radical. spore, <laughs> right? Ex- oh, exactly. And uh, you ju- you can actually make it into some giant Battlestar Galactica thing that actually generates other spaceships. And oh, that's awesome! Out. Yeah, <laughs> and this is on Steam too. That's on Steam as well. It, well is it on Mac? Is it on Most Mac? <laughs> yes, it <laughs> is on Mac. That one is oh. on Mac. There you okay, go. Cool. <laughs> so we uh, launched that one in early 2015, and then uh, we've been looking for other projects since. Uh, we hooked up with um, Venture Forth, uh, Jeremiah Ingham. He um, is developing a game called yeah, Venture Forth, which is uh, an adventure type game, 3D, first person. Uh, he built his engine from scratch. Both those guys built their engines from scratch, which causes its own problems, but is very yeah, wow. impressive. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah um, it's, it's incredibly impressive. And that one's going to come out uh, in a few months. Uh, but in the meantime, yeah, I went to GDC and, and met Chris. And yeah, we've been uh, you know ramping up to get this thing officially launched and get as many people and many eye- eyeballs on it or earballs on it as, as possible uh, <laughs> uh, with that coming up. For you said that that's regarding a uh, venture forth. 
No, no, specific, oh, no Zavix. Is, yeah, this yeah. is. That's why I make sure you. So you, you, you mean Zavix now? Yeah, okay. yeah. Zavix for yeah. now. Uh, Venture Fourth is is going to hit early access soon, um, but not not before Zavix Tower actually uh, jumps out of early access. Okay, and there there's no hard dates for for, uh, for that for 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 Zavix or anything. But you you have like um. Kind we of do, a we do dates. we do have a hard date. Chris and I were talking. We we're deciding on it's the twenty first uh, this uh, of July. So oh wow, nice coming oh, right wow. up. Chris, you're probably working right now while we're recording this. I, <laughs> <laughs> I worked till right when you got the call. How's that? Yeah. <laughs> Damn man. Yeah. So well, how, what is it? Today's the sixth, right? Yeah. You got just uh, just over two weeks. Yeah. So we're you're on schedule. You you're confident in the in hitting the, hitting the deadline. Well, as we talked about before, you know, uh, you get to update things, right? So, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. Um, the entire original project that I set out to make is going to definitely be done. Um, we would like to add a few more classes. Um, we would like to uh, add some more skills. Uh, we found that um, even as many as we do have, we have 78, I think, skills right now. Um, it's We want more. Um, want more talent points, uh, different talents to do. We want, uh, want more mobs. We have a yeah, lot. Like a, like a good RPG. You want yeah. some depth. So we have like 40-something mobs, not counting bosses, but we want it to be closer to 50, 55. Um, we originally set out to only make 25, so we're way above what we originally set out to do. Yes. Um, but we want more. And so, um, yes, we're ready to launch, um, and we will just continue to update the game to add the things that we would like to have um, as much as possible. Is there, any, is there any ideal that you have in your head about, like, I'd love to be able to do this, however, I am not too sure if we have the capacity, whether it be financially or just tech-wise, to do it? Any aspirations? You mean with this game specifically? Or yeah, with, with, with Zavix. With Zavix as of with right Zavix. now. Like any aspirations you feel like, oh man, this is really ambitious. Can we do this? We would really just like to add a ton of more things to the to the um, to the dungeon itself, so that the dungeon is even more interesting. Um, and that's kind of the more time-consuming process um, because with procedural generation, you have to make sure that you your logic is perfect. Because if it's not, nothing works. I've always been curious about how that works. The, the algorithm must be really yeah, sophisticated because procedurally generated stuff, like I can imagine like eventually coming to a room that has nothing in it. It just leads to a wall and you just can't help but wonder like, why? Where? where what? Like, how do you reconcile that kind of thing? Yeah. So, I mean, you have to kind of do multiple Scrub passes. <laughs> yeah. Like, so you do a, like a first pass. Well, how we do it, and I've read quite a bit of what other people do, so there's different ways. But what we do is kind of start with a general layout and kind of lay out the rooms, and then we um, make sure each room you can get to it. You know that that's important. <laughs> that's job one. Yeah, <laughs> make sure you can access. The that's room. pretty. Vital. Then we do yeah, another yeah. pass, and we try to add things like uh, locked doors and uh, doors that require levers to open and stuff like that. Um, then we'll do another pass and add the mobs, then we'll add the gear, then we'll add, or loot, or whatever you want to call it, um, and then we'll add uh, a, a, a last pass, kind of looking for anything that just didn't spawn, that we kind of want to, and then asking, do we want to add that into this dungeon somewhere, and try to find a good spot for it. So, um, there's just multiple passes over the dungeon, kind of 
looking at what's there each time and then adding the things that you want to be there, uh, at least based on a certain percentage of the time. So um, it is complicated and it is not easy and that's why, uh, you know, that would be the best answer I can give is like we want to yeah, add. Yeah. It's why it's the 26 and not yeah. any time earlier than that. No, twenty. Well, he said twenty first, didn't he? Twenty first. Oh, yeah. 21st. Oh, there you go. <laughs> he was like twenty six. I'll go. I'll go with that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we just had to pick a date because I mean I could keep working on this thing forever, or we can get it out there and get even oh, more feedback. Yeah. You know. Yeah, it's never done, right? <laughs> never done. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had, I had, I guess. Two more specific questions before you know let you guys go because I know well for it's not late for you guys I know but it's it's late for us over here and I don't want to keep you guys on too long but unless you have other stuff too Vincent after I ask this but one is is pretty specific I guess uh, for you Chris is that is there is there a defined like uh, end to the game because then you said it's an endless dungeon thing so is that is there some sense of completion that that you can achieve in the game or is it just really for the experience and just to keep on going in and building up stats or building characters and just keep going through the dungeon or there's an actual like a narrative ending or even non-narrative like where you just literally you, you hit an end point so yeah there will be a narrative ending i mean the narrative's not huge right it's pretty concise story but um yes uh there are 10 bosses one every five levels so for 50 or five floors there so for 50 floors uh you have kind of uh, a curated boss at the end of each set of five. We kind of group our floors into sets of five. And then you can re-enter the tower. Um, after completing floor five, you can enter the tower at floor six anytime you want. So on and so forth. So okay. complete 10, you that can enter sense. at 11, so on and so forth. Um, so the final ba- boss is at floor 50, after which uh, every time you reach a boss floor, so every fifth floor, you'll get a like a random boss uh, from the, sub- the set of all 10 bosses. So... Um, and as, as you progress, so, and it won't be the same each time. So when you hit 50 floor 55, you can get any of the 10 bosses and then you get there again, it could be a different one. So it'll give you kind of more of a, um, unpredictable kind of feel as you're, as you're crawling to infinity as, as high as you want to go. Um, so one thing I always hated about, uh, a lot of games is they end, right? And sometimes you're not ready for them to be done and... Um, so we didn't want to force people to stop playing. Um, we realize a lot of people won't continue playing and that's fine. Um, but some people, I mean, we already got people that beat floor 80. So, I mean, wow. yeah, wow. some people just really like that aspect and me, myself, I do. So, um, we wanted to make sure that, that it just continued going up forever. Cool. Okay. That's awesome. All right. Um, and then the, uh, question I had for, uh, you, Rob. I mean, I, I know. Again, we, we talked about you know how you met and how you guys uh, start, how you started Indie Voyage, and how you got together with Chris and stuff. But uh, I was curious if you wanted to, I guess, let everyone out there, people out there, specifically, I guess, what what is Indie Voyage? Like, wh- what do you guys do specifically for uh, companies or games like you know, like like Battlelit uh, Entertainment and, and Zavix Tower? Like, like what is it that 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 your company does at Indie Voyage? Sure. Uh, I mean, we I like to call ourselves like uh, an indie publisher. Like, there's an indie developer, indie publisher. Uh, we're small. We're just a two man team. Um, we basically help you go if you need if you need funding. We help you get uh, funding. Usually, we target Kickstarter and crowdfunding sources. 
Um, if you need uh, marketing, and most indie devs do, um, because marketing is its own job, uh, we help with that. And so we send out emails and try to get interviews like this and, and um, contact you lovely, lovely people with uh, <laughs> your awesome podcasts. And, um, you know, just just try and get that going because, you know, the splitting time between development and trying to get the word out, you're basically sacrificing your game uh, to try and sell it. And with that's like a, a really double-edged sword. You know, you can't really uh, do that and come up with a great title. So oh, yeah, Chris, Chris was saying how much he misses doing all that stuff. <laughs> he misses those days, the sleepless nights. It's sleepless oh. nights aside, <laughs> but like but that's what we do. We just we just help eat the ease the burden. And uh, for things like Kickstarter, and if you've ever been through one, they're incredibly stressful. I remember when we did the one for reassembly. It was just, you know, we were coming in, and we were helping helping him, and and none of us really knew that that first week, even the second week and third week, um, just how much stress goes into that, and how much you just your your stomach just knots up just at the mention of money and and uh kickstarter people and and rewards you have to give out and um it's just craziness so anything we can do to help ease all those burdens is is what we specialize in we also help you get um if you need other people to help help uh help on your team like uh, musicians and artists and and other developers or or whatnot we'll help you find those folks and help you find what you need and determine what your budget is and and that that sort of stuff it's um so we do everything but work on the game we do all that yeah (laughs) well that's because i imagine all the people who you know have that kind of aspiration or or, or dream of like getting into game making they don't think about that part of it and it's the not the part that they actually enjoy doing or look forward to doing and it's probably what ends up you know i guess killing a lot of projects or killing a lot of motivation for projects when they realize that's all the other stuff that is involved with with making the game we were talking about that earlier because i you know i was mentioning it from my personal experience of going to school and being like, I'm going to major in game design because, you know, I like playing games my whole life. It just makes sense. And it's like, oh, no, it doesn't. Yeah, that actually doesn't I, translate I, over to actual yeah, game development. Yeah, I like the end result. I don't I don't want to go in and, like, animate every frame of this character, like, just walk cycle, you know, just <laughs> just to get them, you know, 10 steps. And that's know. exactly why I got into production. It's like, uh, well, I mean, I could spend four years of my life learning development and coding. Or I could spend four years of my life and learn learn how to be an awesome artist and animator, um, or I could go out and uh, and I mean I I did go to school. I went to a, a media arts program, but then you know I started from the ground level. I started in testing, and then I worked my way up to production. And you know you get to work on a lot of games that way. Um, honestly, it feels like cheating. You didn't have to go through all that trouble of actually learning um, a, a really useful skill. So. Uh, I've been trying to figure out a way to cheat for years, Rob. <laughs> all right, I've, I've very specifically been trying to find out a way to get up to these higher positions without doing all the really talented, skillful work <laughs> to, to, it takes to get up there. It's like, can I skip all that? Can I just be a director or a producer or, or you know something? Well, I mean, it, it, I mean, I won't not to belittle what I do too much, but like, um, you just have to learn how to like work with. Uh, like a developer and an artist and a designer and just know how to kind of step back just a little bit and give your opinion when necessary, but uh, help them do their jobs better than 
as as good as they can. And then that's that's kind of the key. You just make your sure. version of cheating. Exactly. I'll say, say your version of cheating is invaluable because there are some people out there who want nothing to do with it. It's it's uh, the yeah. kind of legwork that is, i.e., all major film and game studios. Yeah. Usually. So like yeah, exactly. Like you're saying that you don't want to downplay it. Like oh my goodness, of course no one's ever going to downplay it because it is such a vital part of the success of a game. Well, thank you. I Appreciate that. Uh, and yeah, we're we're. I mean, we're knock on wood, hoping that this this uh, Zavix Tower does as well i mean i really want batholith to to be a success i mean without batholith's success then indie voyage isn't a success because we're we're kind of tied to them at the hip uh, in terms of um making money so yeah, yeah no. conjoined success yeah that that well that actually tied into or, or somewhat you know answered the, actually the the final question i wanted to ask that i wanted to kind of put to each of you which was um a little more broad uh but it's related to that which is you know what are your hopes for Zavix Tower specifically, and more in a broader sense, um, your partnership with Batholith Entertainment and future uh, projects, you know, hopefully down the road. Like, like, what is it you're trying to accomplish with this game specifically? Like, is this kind of an, uh, you know, a stepping stone to other things that you already have uh, in the works? Or are you just kind of focused on getting this done and like worrying about the other stuff when you get, to, you know, across that bridge when you get to it kind of thing? Uh, Chris, you want to take that one? Sure. Um, so for me, uh, a success for Zavix Tower would mean that I get to make another game. Um, I, I don't really know how much development time yet that entails, but um, that's the definition of success for me. Um, as, as far as the relationship between Bathleth Entertainment and Indie Voyage, uh, I would for sure work with them on any you know subsequent project provided that we we're able to make one um uh, it's just a matter of you know is zavix tower enough of a success to make a subsequent game um it's a, it's its own game in its own right it's a numbers game yeah it is you know i mean uh been going at this for a year and a half between the two games um and just you know money's drying up and it's kind of oh. Kind of now or never, and that's kind of where we're at. Um, you know, uh, Rob and Indie Voyage have done, you know, great. Compared to what I was able to do on my own, they're destroying that already. So, um, you know, that's that's wonderful for me. Um, you know, I will just we'll see how it goes there. Uh, but the the relationship wise, I I have enjoyed it very much so far. Well, that's awesome because I've also right, enjoyed awesome. it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, I mean, from our perspective, it's kind of the same. You know, we want it to be uh, successful enough for him to continue and make it an actual uh, company and and living off of doing what he loves. And uh, all's the better if if the relationship continues for us because um, being associated with with successful development studios and uh, individuals who've taken this concept of an indie game and turned it into a, a career and not just a one-off not just having one nice hit that generates millions of sales which is always nice you know fingers crossed but like uh, actually turning it into a, a series of indie games and getting a following and, and people who like it like what they do and look forward to the next project that they do i think that is the real success in the games industry is just doing what you love and, and being able to count on 
um, as a developer, being able to count on uh, your fans to help drive your next game. And on the yeah, other, the flip side, uh, fans want good games to look forward to. So it, mm-hmm. it works both ways if you can get that you know that thing going yeah it, it, there's a reason why like people have an affection for like your kojimas out there and you know like that as i was stating earlier like you guys may well you most certainly were not present during the conversation but we were discussing like the the sum of a game is not a single person but it's the collective everyone who's involved with it like we were discussing the the mighty number no. nine fiasco and Boy. <laughs> the, the, yeah lord uh but the the sentiment was essentially that it kind of goes to show you that Mega Man's success wasn't hinged entirely on that one guy, but the collective and everyone involved. And that includes, like you know, that includes the artists, that includes the you know the the designers, you know, level designers, maybe the 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 composers. Like there's there's an element to every single aspect of that game's development that that contributed to why it was so great. Mm-hmm. And, and this not is, Mighty Number no. Nine. Right. You mean the Mega Man games? <laughs> yeah, well, all all great games that are not yeah, Mighty yeah. Number no. Nine. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Mighty. I don't not know if that's so his Mighty. Name. Yeah, it is. No, no. He it's actually he is he is whatever. He is Mighty Number no. Nine, but he has an actual name too. It's some like regular sounding name, like Beck or Ben or something. Carl. Whatever. It's it's unrelated. It's unrelated. Whatever. It doesn't matter. But yeah. Yeah, no, that, yeah, actually, it's, it's, it's a good point. Yeah, so I mean, that, I guess that would be the well, that would be my hope, I guess, if it was me. But I'm not a developer, so I'm assuming. I mean, you guys, assuming you know there is that success that, that you hope for, and you know you, you you do well enough that you can you know make other games and stuff. Uh, I'm assuming it's something you, you'd want to like, I guess, also be able to to grow internally, like meaning either like Indie Voyage and Batholith, like you know to add on maybe more people on staff, or is it, you'd always want to keep it like to a smaller i'm assuming you'd want more than than the two so that you could kind of lighten each of your workloads you know significantly i guess you know the more people you get on but yeah more than two for sure (laughs) you know uh but huge i don't know i I don't know how big would have i'd have to see when we got there um but you know an extra programmer an extra artist that would uh that would go a long way i can imagine being a tremendous help yeah. I could speak to both Timothy and myself. Like we we hope nothing but success for you guys. Because if nothing else, we'd like to see where you guys go in the future, and to lighten the load on both you and Robert. Yeah, and be able to say we spoke to them when they were just little guy, two guy team. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope well, that day we'll comes. be happy to do a follow up. If uh, yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll talk to yeah. us in in oh, we would love several that. months. Yeah, that'd be sweet. Absolutely. I have one question. Uh, Tim, you got your your last questions in. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm assuming the success, the possibility of a Mac version would hinge entirely on the success of the PC version. Is that yeah? <laughs> okay. So, um, there's nothing that precludes that from happening. Uh, Mono Game has uh, Mac integration, so um, yeah. essentially it's just retooling, and I don't know, I, I assume there's going to be a little bit of changes, but um, it's not massive, but um, yeah, it just is, if, our, if we're successful, then I, I fully expect it to make its way um, at the very least to Mac and hopefully Linux, but it could even make its way to, you know, tablets or whatnot. Who knows? Yeah, I was going to say iOS, is, is, is that something that would, would work also? Because the, the format of the game lends itself yeah, to we, that to that platform really well, right? It definitely does. Uh, so it, it's something we would like to do. Um, I don't know about phones. You know, phones are getting bigger, but there's a lot of UI stuff 
Yeah, that lay yeah, a lot of like the, iPads. Yeah, the stuff okay. to select and the text and stuff gets a little. Yeah, but you can make tablet. Definitely also. tablets. So yeah, and Apple TV now too. It works. So now they have the games on there. So yeah, that that would be cool. Um, all right. Yeah. So then I guess the last thing I would leave you guys is um, if you want to, you know, let everybody know, you know, where they can reach you at, where they can, you know, reach out to you, find out more stuff about you know your your individually your company you know zavix tower specifically any kind of stuff you guys want to throw out there for people to you know to reach out to you know take this opportunity uh so for now the best place to reach me is is on the steam forums to be honest um i uh <laughs> uh have to redo our website so it's pretty pretty worthless currently but i just have not had time so that's something that's going to be in the works in the future but i just haven't got to it but yeah just steam forums i'm there every day all the time um yeah rob cool. uh and for us it's uh rob at indie.voyage um our website is www.indie.voyage and then there's a uh, twitter of course uh at indie voyage or at indie voyage rob um you can also find me on steam as well um indie voyage rob is my uh name so yeah would look forward to chatting with folks okay great bring awesome. me your games yeah <laughs> bring me your games bring me your games bring me your women <laughs> <laughs> all right great yeah so uh yeah thank you thanks you guys for reaching out to us and and for yeah for taking this time to, to talk with us about about your game and about a lot of other stuff too <laughs> oh thank you uh, yeah this is this is what we yeah this is what we do on a regular basis and we enjoy it when we can get other people on especially people who are actually in the industry specifically on the indie side, because that you know that's what we do the the show about. We figured there's enough, uh, you know, coverage out there for for the mainstream uh, titles and and all that. So we want to show some indie love and and hopefully you know get this ball rolling in terms of getting the word out for as much indie devs and indie games uh, as possible. So yeah, we really wanted to thank you guys for for coming on and, and spending time with us. Yeah, truly, we appreciate it very much. Oh, thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, so yeah, much. and yeah, and we would yeah we would be open to yeah follow-ups or anything if you have you know if updates future games whatever it is mac versions <laughs> you know let us know we, we can do a uh, we, yeah we'd we be open to that too so yeah uh but yeah that that's it for i think for this episode right right now uh and good luck to you guys and we hope to hear from you soon sounds good thanks guys good. thank you cool. all right well yeah it was it was good talking to those guys we're really appreciative that they were you know that they reached out to us and you know asked us to 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 do the interview and talk about their game we we definitely welcome and 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 look forward to any you know developers or or people in the industry who are willing to do that um uh yeah and it was it was good talk it's you know it's it's insightful and it's interesting getting kind of an inside look at you know the process that's involved in in doing you know these games and games in general because i mean regardless of which developer you talk to or what type of game or whether they're honestly whether they're indie or mainstream there's going to be a lot of the same you know similarities in terms of what it takes to get a game developed and all all the stuff involved so it's nice getting a look under under the hood uh yeah and also giving again again giving shout outs and 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 kind of yeah indie love and and letting other people in on that with regards specifically to, to indie developers and letting them kind of have a voice because you don't really see it too often. So I'm glad that we can do that on this show. And that's kind of what I hope to be able to do more of on this show is, you know, give a voice to, to the, to the indie community and and get the word out for them and, and wish, you know, we hope that 
that translates into, you know, more success, you know, not like we're going to be the sole cause of it, but I'm sure, you know, will help, or I hope it will help in terms of these companies like Batholith and like Indie Voyage, um, you know, become successful or be more successful in, in their, in all their endeavors, honestly. So we wish them, you know, all the luck in, in with this specific project uh, on Zavix Tower, um, which you guys can check out on Steam, as they said, Windows only right now, hopefully Mac in, in the future, but that will be based on how many of you people download it for Windows, and then it'll be successful enough where they will do it for Mac, maybe. <laughs> so do that, so that me and Vincent could play. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that's that. That's it for this episode. Again, longer than we <laughs> than we planned, but oh well, that's how it goes. Um, this will be up at the end of this week at the latest. So, but and I'll start editing it tomorrow, and then. Hopefully soon after, we'll be uploading the Teslagrad uh, episode. We haven't recorded it yet, but we've pretty much both beat I mean, Vincent's beaten it, and I'm at the last boss. So that'll be shortly after we just got to record it, and then I can throw that up too. That'll be next week. What day? I'm not sure yet. I'm tired of setting expectations and <laughs> not following through. So I'm just going to say it will be next week, as soon as I can, people. It's just me doing this editing. Um, but Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> now you got your hands full you're doing your gaming logical dig which is fucking snowballing baby that thing is going and if you people have not seen it yet please check that out gaming logical dig channel if you haven't played soma then damn you you need to play that game and then then go to the gaming logical dig channel uh because there's some really high quality stuff on there and we're getting Lots of good responses uh, from it coming in and more and more subscribers every day. So that, yeah, that's becoming kind of a, a big part or a bigger part of kind of what we're doing here. We're going to try to create some more kind of backend stuff for that, you know, because Gaming Locker Dig right now is just the YouTube channel. Um, but we want to actually set up a, you know, maybe a Facebook page for it and a maybe a Twitter and uh, definitely a Patreon. So if any of you guys are, fans of the Gaming Logical Dig channel and, and are looking for ways to support us as indie mages as a whole or specifically the Gaming Logical the Dig channel, then uh, stay tuned for our Patreon page. I am planning to get that up as soon as possible, you know, time allowing. Uh, and yeah, Vincent is definitely working on that stuff. He's putting a lot more time in on it. He, I know he's doing the script to get the last episode of, the, the so, of Soma out. And then from there... I think you're talking about doing well I'll let you speak what well, what are you what's after soma i know we're not getting too far ahead of ourselves but i know you I'm have some ideas inside. you are doing okay inside good so we'll we'll do that to coincide then with our episode because that is the next game we're going to be talking about after the tesla grad episode and since we're both done with tesla grad pretty much i'll be starting inside soon and so after tesla grad the next game will be inside and then hopefully that will coincide closely with when we released the Gaming Logical Dig video on Insight, which Vincent is doing. But I don't know when that'll be, but it'll be coming. And hopefully we can get these things coming out with more frequency or consistency. But it's really, again, based on time allowance and, and money. <laughs> so that's what the Patreon page is for. Uh, but for, yeah, that's it for this episode of Indie Mages. This is uh, Level 25, uh, our interview with uh, Indie Voyage and Battleith Entertainment. Uh, thanks again to Chris and Rob. Uh, if you want to check them out anywhere, again, check the Steam forums. They gave their info 
uh, earlier. So check them out on any of those places, Steam forums, their website, uh, Twitter. And then same goes for us, obviously. Um, IndieMages.com, we're IndieMages at gmail.com, and we're at IndieMages on Twitter. Check out the podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud, and hopefully Google Play soon. I still haven't put it up, but I'm going to be putting it on there. So do all them things. Review us, people. Say you love us. Say you want to have our children. Tell your friends. Tell your family. Uh, It helps a lot. Uh, But for Level 25, I'm Tim. I'm Vincent. And we'll catch you in the next level. Later.